This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. Joe and Matthew join multidisciplinary artist Paul Stephen Benjamin for a thoughtful conversation on site at the Museum of Contemporary Art of Georgia. They discuss his work, his process, and the creative path. Work and life balance is examined. Television collection strategies are explored. This is episode 30. Today, we're at the Museum of Contemporary Art of Georgia, an opportunity to sit among work on display with Paul Stephen Benjamin. I'm Matthew White. I'm Joe Camusa. BrainFuzzPodcast.com. And this is Paul Stephen Benjamin. Hello. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Now, how do you refer to yourself? Painting, sculpture, you know, I see, I see it all. Multidisciplinary artist. Multidisciplinary um, artist. Yeah, I work in different manners. Uh, depends on the project and um, the idea and how I want to convey it. Um, sometimes there are better ways to convey something other than say sculpture or painting or trying to combine the two so I just try and focus on what that particular work of art is and um, what best way to communicate it. We noticed on your site you don't you don't have a statement on your site now do we miss it or is that a conscious decision you've you've made? Uh, I, I would say it is a conscious decision yeah um, as far as statement for me, the work is the statement. Um, I tend to uh, want to allow people to uh, enter the work from their own personal experiences, uh, their, their own knowledge. Um, you know, I take time in creating my titles, the material uh, choice is important. But yes, no, I don't want to lead or decode anything for anybody because I think it is best when it's interpreted um, from a personal experience. I think the, the statement, the lack of statement, is, is a wonderful place to be. I mean, to afford yourself that freedom and like an umbrella under which to make the work. I'm curious though, and you know, like how did you get through the uh, industrial uh, academic uh, MFA uh, program, you know, like it just seems like there are times and places in one's career where, like, you have to have the statement. You know, when you're applying for a, a grant or exhibitions, like it seems like you've obviously earned it. But have you come across times in your career where it's yeah. been a problem or been demanded of you? Or I mean, there are times, you know, particularly um, some institutions, exhibition space, museums where you know, someone wants a foundation in which to develop a conversation around the work. Uh-huh. And it becomes a, so when you speak of um, in graduate school, you know, I, I tended to focus formally on the discussions because what I found was that um, by doing that, people could enter the work without a hesitancy or an expectation because when you say formally what do you see? Exactly. What do you know? Um, versus trying to interpret or misinterpret what the work is about. Um, and so I, I give 
information or foundation information, but I don't create these narratives or try and tell people what they're supposed to see in it. All right, you're leaving it open-ended for the viewer, but it still sounds though it's important that the message is conveyed to the viewer. Like there, not no, no particular message. So for me, there's this balance of aesthetic and concept. Um, the aesthetic part of it is that you know I painstakingly make efforts to create these what I think are beautiful works, right? Um, that are of a, a higher quality or high quality, um, taken into consideration, you know, the par paragraphs of conceptual art, I kind of venture away from that in that the actual output of it is important to me. So the, the aesthetic is important. Sure. I mean, But also the concept, they're equally balanced in my mind, or at least my, what my efforts or what I'm putting into it. So for our listeners that don't, that don't have the advantage that we have here, could you talk a little bit about what we're looking at here? Yeah, so primary uh, emphasis, or I shouldn't say emphasis, but focus in the work is the color black. Um, all of the works are uh, black in some nature, at least from my point of view. Um, and so the color black, actually fills this space. Because if you look, there are basically, what do we have, seven works, eight works in the space. So there have been a lot more works in here yeah. and have looked more full or looked like there wasn't as much. But the beauty for me of the color black is how it does fill a space. Um, and to your point and the, 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 the mention of the welcoming nature of it, I think the color black draws you into it. It's impossible not to see it in this space. And your like conscious decisions on like lower level lighting. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have some fabric. There is a. I mean, I I just am very impressed with like this seductive uh, and attention to like you said to aesthetics. I think that's a, a fantastic way to. to lead the viewer in and then I think then someone is going to be more receptive to all right now what's going on because right. we look at stuff so quickly in our lovely culture and I'm thinking you know when you actually sit and I'm looking at these three paintings right here like I wonder how many people miss the text I imagine quite a few and, and, and just to describe this the length of these three those are 12 feet uh, the last one is nine. Okay. So, you're so you have three or two paintings in that installation on that wall, seven by 12, and then there's a seven by nine. It's a big work. And, and, and with, um, as you walk in to the right, um, a display of fluorescence, uh, black lights about what, 20, 20 feet? From ground to the top was probably 16 feet. When we first saw this, it was full of people. <laughs> but you could still see the you work. You could still that see the work. Was, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you did a nice job with, you know, essentially a, you know, large rectangular room, but, uh, you know, the way you place things, you could still see the work. Because so often you come out of those things and you say, well, what do you think of the work? Like, oh, I couldn't really see it. Right. right. And here, no, you know, right. 
so it's nice that it's um, it's it can it's dramatic, it's big, and yet there's still this understated. Which you know, again, to me, there's that great push pull there. Yeah, I mean, I think you both hit it on the head as well. Is that it, this is a difficult space um, to try and uh, think about um, because of the height. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, if you remove these lights, like the the previous uh, exhibition of Laurie Stallings' work, you know, the ceilings even go higher. Yeah. Um, so having to navigate that. Could be challenging as well, but my intent was to use the space <laughs> and not necessarily make it so just full of work, right? But that to make the each of the works stand on their own yeah. and have a certain level of uh, power in each of them that or, or, or visibility, um, but that so they wouldn't overpower. One of the challenging parts of it was, of course, the 14th Amendment and how would that affect all of the works as well. The other works and the lighting affect this. Would it you know, still have it the same level of presence in which I hoped it would have? Um, so that's where you see some of the lighting choice uh-huh. in, in the work. This is what I chose to put in and you know, made some edits. There were other works but I really wanted, didn't want to just fill the space with like everything out of my studio. Right. Which is, is tempting because you work so hard on things. Yeah. And, you know, but for me, it's this equal balance of, no, there's another time for that, or maybe that just doesn't get shown. Do you think that's um, maturity or either just <clears throat> like visual fatigue? Because I mean, I feel like, and I've certainly been guilty of. Uh, you know, overhanging, or is it a product of having like smaller studios where you just don't have space? But you know, like, do you get to that point where you start just thinking, like, yeah, I really would love for these like three other things to be in the show, but no, uh, let's like you said, save it for something else. And I'm wondering sometimes if you know, you just suddenly you're allowing some air <laughs> and mm-hmm. some you know room for people to think. And yeah, I, it, it's important for me to have that air. Um, even in here, this, this this could have been, say, a little bit more smart. Like, what do I do? Take one more piece out, and then you just have one piece on each wall. Um, so, I, I take that into consideration in how um, that works with the the works. Also, the the space is important as a you know sculptor or thinking sculpturally the height of the work, um, how it's balanced with each of the other works as well. Sure. I just, I remember, you know, being in your studio a few times, your studio at the Atlantic Contemporary. Oh, that was not sparse. Right. And I was always a member, and you know, and we've, you know, over the years, uh, when we've spoken, you've kind of talked about, because I always joke, you know, like most artists, you're you're a hoarder, like it or not. Mm -hmm. Some are neat, organized hoarders, and some it's just like, you know, storage space upon storage space. But I know that you've talked about, you know, repurposing uh, and or like, you know, appropriating things, but obviously like objects, history of objects are important. So I'm curious if that was probably difficult to edit down. Um, Not when it comes to the actual work um, and 
thinking about how it, the space. Um, because visually, my preference is not to be overwhelmed or um, inundated with too much that it's difficult to process. So I like the idea of things being able to breathe, but at the same time, working in concert with one another. Um, sometimes there's you know, perfect opportunity for a cacophony, but then sometimes you just want a symphony of you know, things and sounds. Well said. Yes, cacophony versus symphony. You're this, this, the space where you, um, the space where you prepared these works. How 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 big a space are you working in? Um, so, my current studio is, um, I would say, sufficient for the, the the type of work that I'm doing. So, I have the ceiling height. I yeah. have the actual space. Um, I'm able to separate processes and works. So yeah, it's it, it's more probably most space that I've had really um, in recent times. Yeah, yeah, maybe ever. So. Was that when you made that transition? Was it liberating? Was it scary in a way? Because I hear different reactions to that kind of move. No, uh, quite honestly, it no different than my other studio yeah. where I just had a whole bunch of stuff. Right now, I'm challenged with the idea of where you're saying hoarder and holding on to things is like, yeah, I'm going to still work that <laughs> one idea out. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, but does it make sense to keep a trailer full of stuff or does it make sense to get a dumpster or have a sale or campfire yeah, or right. whatever? But, um, so there's still some of that. Um, that. I guess that's the good thing about the space. I'm allowed to do the hoarding, uh, but at the same time function comfortably with the other things that I'm doing. But. So on, this, on the topic of hoarding, <laughs> let's talk about TV acquisition. All right, you've worked with different installations where you have a number of older television sets. How many, how many in one installation, What's the, typically? So right now at the Studio Museum in Harlem, there's an exhibition that's up through extended it to January 15th, um, there's like 63 TV monitors. And I think that might be wow. the largest installation that I've done. And how many power strips? <laughs> um, so generally on something like that, I'm probably needing about six circuits. Okay. Um, and so, and if you're talking about the actual physical power strip, um, I mean, you can get six in each one, but you know that's you have DVDs, you have uh, power, other power sources, extension cords, so it could easily be about 10, 12 power strips. And you've sourced these using various methods, I guess, kind of crowdsourcing. I know that. Not really. No? I haven't done a lot of. I have people who, hey, I got a TV. I don't want to move it. Can you come? Or can you use it? Uh, so when those opportunities present themselves and it's easy for me to get, or if it's something, you know, I don't want anything that's not working. I don't right, want to work right. on TVs. And it's actually quite expensive to um, uh, throw them away. You can't just right. throw them away. So, um, But yeah, so a lot of it is uh, acquiring them, uh, mostly through secondhand 
places and things like that. It's even getting more difficult trying to get them there because a lot of the places they take them because they don't want to turn them down because people are bringing other stuff in. It's like, no, we can't take that. You got to take right. it back with yeah. you. <laughs> so yeah. they just take it and throw it away, which is unfortunate. So I'm trying to find these people and say, listen, um, you know, I could actually use them. Let's save our planet. If you don't want them, give them to me. If yeah. they don't work, yeah, get rid of them. But if I have a use for them and a purpose. So I have this um, mission that I want to collect a thousand of them yeah, and just store them just so I have them so I can continue that body of work. Um, a thousand. Yeah, and, and the whole scheme of things, is that's not a lot. So, I guess not. If yeah. you're, now, are these interchangeable among installations? Do you yeah. do it that way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so like, the, the, for instance, the one that was at the high, that had like 43. Okay, yeah. 43 in that. And they vary in size. I've actually um, started collecting some of the really large, uh, I guess they call them projection TVs yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm also thinking about the evolution of the video work. You know, is it just simply these uh, big installations, or what's the next, next generation of that? Wow. So storing a thousand TVs, how are you going to? So currently I have enough space. Okay. Um, I believe, I, I don't, quite honestly, I don't know what a, a thousand <laughs> TVs stored looks like. <laughs> I, I know what um, close to 200 is, so I, I feel like okay. um, that it would be manageable in a section of my studio. I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Stacks. Uh, so, but the, the decision, though, to not use flat screen is partly because you, again, you don't want to see these things going to the dumpster. Yeah, well, part of that, yeah. Is there anything about the picture quality? The picture, I mean, it's a lot. Aesthetics, um, availability, um, the history, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, that, that, is an unspoken word that's a very important part of it so that as people are looking at say the reinterpretation of something in a video installation that I do it has its presence and um, historical relevance but where that TV was the things that were seen on it the time frames I mean some of these things is even more difficult to get them but you know you have from the 80s, 90s, most of them are from early 2000s now. But it's, I mean, I'm not the only one that's trying to acquire them. That's what makes it difficult too. You know, sometimes in competition with someone who is trying to get a TV that they don't want their kid playing a video game on their flat screen. So it's like, oh, you can put this big old thing somewhere. I can buy another one once it goes out. Um, so, yeah. I just, you know, when I've seen your work in person, I've also thought, you know, about the, there's a huge difference in color on those types of TVs versus like the flat screen. Yeah, that's that's right. so, you know what I mean? It, again, it seems to me it's like a, another entry point in terms of mm -hmm. they're softer right. and they're also authentic. I mean, I'm right. old enough to know what 
and remember what this stuff looked, some of this footage, you know, like what it looked like in the 70s or the 80s and uh, versus now everything getting kind of like that, you know, like when they would colorize black and white movies, you know, or digitize or whatever, and you're like, what yeah. is that? It's porn, you know? Yeah. It doesn't work, anyway. And so, but let me be clear, I'm not opposed to flat screen, and I do have some work that is, so like these two. Yeah. Um, I have another work uh, that was in the uh, dashboard uh, co-op exhibition unloaded at uh, Marshall Wood Gallery that had um, flat screen. So, you know, the evolution and the project and the scope of it um, evolves. Right. Uh, I mean, that's the, the key term I hear and, and associate with you. And I think it's, again, so smart in terms of you don't tie yourself down you know, and you have, but I mean, you're focused in terms of concept, which I think is fantastic that you can, because so many people spend half, they spend their whole life trying to jump from one project to another. And it's like, when you can sink your teeth into something and see it through how many different iterations or different mediums, I yeah. mean, that is a sign of, you know, a pretty successful uh, artistic decision. And then to not get bogged down in materials, mm -hmm. it seems like you can be very precious. I mean, again, it's, the work is really well crafted yet you know I can just as we're looking at this I could imagine like somebody arguing you know for weeks over those those the way those cords are plugged in or should those be shown you know like I right. love that there's a, there's moments when you're it seems like it's quick and deliberate and yeah. and then when you want to be super tight and fussy there's a reason for it like I just you know it seems like you've gotten to this like Jedi Knight stage where Hmm. You, did you know what I'm saying? I sound like I'm totally kissing you. No. I don't, but yeah, I've known you for a while now. <laughs> what I what I would say is that um, I learned from a um, an experience where someone, I guess, had viewed the work and couldn't really say anything about it because they maybe didn't understand it. And they focused on something, and I was like, wow, that's what they took from this. And it was something that had nothing to do, but it was one of those things that was like, you know what? Next time you should cover that. If you don't want, so I spin and I think about each and every detail. So if you see the thread hanging on there, it's not because I didn't think about it being there. It was a part of it. The chords are intentional, right? Um, you know, so that was something I learned as a younger artist, and I guess the only reason I said it is to impart that to someone else, and maybe it'll be helpful. Oh, I think um, it's very helpful. But to but, learn some of those things, yeah. and I'm curious, you know, what I hear you saying is, and I, I mentioned it on this podcast how many times but I always wonder when someone like especially in the guise of say a critique or a studio visit mm -hmm. you know sometimes is that polite uh is that a polite way of saying either I have nothing to say or when it's like oh this when they focus on something like say that extension mm -hmm. cord over there right. instead of like you know or ask you you know like where you got your table mm -hmm. you know and you're like yeah but there's a painting on the wall there <laughs> like, I've experienced that where after a while you're like okay this is just game over yeah, I mean, that is, you know, just speaking to the idea of uh, 
you know, studio visits and critiques. And it is somewhat confusing when someone comes and asks about something that you're like, the table that the artwork is sitting on? You want to know yeah. about that and we not have a conversation? But I will say that out of some of those types of um, visits, I have had you know, follow-up that was beneficial, that they were much deeper than that question. So, but yes, it is challenging. I mean, sometimes you have a studio visit and you're like, I believe they like the work. I mean, they didn't say much. And then, you know, you get an invitation to do something. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe I am following course and doing you know, the right thing. But yeah, sometimes you always want people to come in and be like, oh, this is the greatest thing that I've seen. Uh, but it doesn't happen that way most times. Yeah, that's the you know that's the lonely part of being an artist. With wherever you are on the food chain, you know, let's face it, dealing with ambiguity and uncertainty and feelings of you know self worth. I mean, because some some days you're up, and then some days. So, you know, I think in terms of, like you say, wanting to uh, impart some of that wisdom for others, I mean, I think that's important because I think we all need it. You know, who doesn't want, you know, the proverbial pat on the back or, uh, or someone to tell you, like, hey, go see a movie, relax a little bit. Um, I don't know, I'm very aware of that these days, you know. Yeah, and, but, uh, you know, I, I think, or at least my approach is, I'm not... I'm not doing this to get accolades or um, people to like it, and not everyone's gonna like it. So there's, you know, sometimes people talk about audience, but there are, are people for whoever and whatever they make or do, there is a particular group of people who will like it. It's I just agree. finding out yeah. who that group is. Um, but, you know, as artists, and, you know, we've been, doing this for a while it's you know you doing I'm doing it for myself right yeah. and it's something I have to do it's something that's important that I do um, so if no one likes it it's not going to stop me from right. doing it that's right um, it might stop me from being able to show it which right. is a problem <laughs> yeah. but um, I do it not out of and I think that's the, the good thing about where I am right now. It's not like I'm trying to do anything commercially because a gallery is telling me, oh, can you do this in green? I mean, 2,000 TVs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, that is a challenge. Sure. So I'm not saying I'm opposed to challenges. It's just I'm not doing things to satisfy uh, a particular interest or something that's driving it. We've, we've talked with people, we, we know stories of people that, you know, if they're not seeing the results they want five, ten years, they're out. Mm -hmm. It's a path that you have to make a conscious decision to choose, and you're going to make more sacrifices than you do in a lot of other paths that you would take in life. And we see, we've seen people that, um, yeah, if, they, if they're not getting the results that they envisioned, hitting those goals that they envisioned five, ten years, they're out. And I don't know how you turn that part of you off. Turn the part off. The, the desire to create, to see something come to life that you've envisioned. 
I don't know how you just turn that off because I think it's yeah, a Yeah, I don't think you can if yeah. that's what was really driving you. So I think, unfortunately, and I mean, I've taught um, you know, different institutions, is that um, some people buy into the idea of being an artist, of yeah. what it means. It, it gives me freedom to be different, or uh -huh. it gives me freedom to, you know, say, do, you know, act a certain way, and that's not it. You, you give yourself that freedom. Um, and so I think that's why you see, you know, majority of art students aren't practicing art, but go through art school. You know, they're doing other things because of exactly what you're saying is, if you have this passion and this idea and this is what you're supposed to do, you can't turn it off. When I'm unable to make work for whatever reason, whether it's family, whatever it is, I get uneasy. You know, it's yeah. like, man, I, yeah. not, you know how some people need coffee or drink yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm like, I need to not just be thinking about art, I need to actually get in the studio and make something. It's uncomfortable. Yep. What I'm is not that? at ease. I agree. Right. What is that? Why is that, do you think? I mean, what is the, what is the, is it, is it that you are, is it the need to express yourself? Is it the need to, because I've never been able to put, put a finger on it. Um, I mean, you can express yourself in different ways. So I, I would say it's, and maybe it's a matter of semantics. Um, yeah. For me, without going any particular path, um, creation itself is a spiritual thing. And I think within you, um, when something is being birthed, I don't want to go too deep, it has to be released. And when it's not, I mean, it's at a point where it has to be released. Um, and that's how I feel about it. I mean, for me, most of when I create work, I already envision the outcome mm -hmm. of what it looks like. I am actually making the work in my mind because when you work on a large scale or you're doing different materials, um, I am visualizing and picturing everything from beginning to end before I even make the canvas. Mm -hmm. Are there sketches already? Are there titles worked out? How, how far? No, Here and there. I mean, does it no. happen at times? It, it, so, very seldom. I mean, I think of things that I'm saying, is that a title or something? Or is it an idea? I, I try not to classify something as a title until the title is revealed within the work. Because there's this, once again, this is balance for me between aesthetic and concept that a title can be leading, it can be narrative. Sure. I'm not trying to create narratives or have people think about narratives. The titles to me are important that I want them to be an entry point or added information into the work. But after that, it's like what you do with that title and the information that I provide is solely you. But I don't want to lead you into a particular path. So these, you have the title of that first painting 
is pure black, or is, is not pure black, it's just pure. Um, the next one is very, the other one is new. Those are the actual given names right. of the paint colors that you could go in the store and buy it, ask for it, and they can recreate that color for you. Um, just that simple for me as far as you make it look very simple because that's what I was stumbling around before when I was saying like when you talk about that all the work is about black mm -hmm. blackness and then to think about how much material you were able to find and mine off of the paint charts or whatever you want to call it I mean some of those titles you couldn't have you couldn't have probably made it up you know right, in terms right. of and it's there true. is this whole universe mm -hmm. right. which does lead people down some interesting pathways which I know you say you don't necessarily want to go no, there. No, no, it's fine for them to go down that path, but I only told you that the color of the paint and the name of it is pure. And it, I know. Is, I, I, I love this I dance, I give you the information that um, was provided to me. Right. And so now what you do with that is... No, I am, yeah. yeah. What's the moment in that, in that process, in the, in the birthing process mm -hmm. <laughs> that we were just talking about, what is the moment of satisfaction for you or fulfillment when you know that you've done what you set out to do? Um, I think, I mean, it's hard to separate um, one aspect from the other. I mean, the, the process of conceiving an idea, like to even move forward in something, is one of the most important parts. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the process of understanding what that idea is can't be dismissed either. Um, now, for me, there is a level of separation at the point of going through all of that and then finishing it and then seeing it mm -hmm. on the wall and having people engage with it. Um, in some ways, I'm like, okay, the cycle has run its course for me mm -hmm. um, because it was, you know, conception to delivery. Some people actually, some people crave that feedback, that approval from certain, from certain people and parties. Um, but I, I think it's, um, especially in our culture, it's a, it's a, it's, it's brave to say that just seeing it realized is enough. And I wonder how much. How many people that get into becoming an artist or take the, choose that path are actually okay with that? That the realization is enough, that they're satisfied? I, I don't know. I, maybe not everyone thinks this way, but I would think that most people, it's like, you know, the biggest challenge is getting it out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's not to say after that you don't want somebody to take it and put it in their institution or whatever, um, that is, a, to me, a different or a second life um, experience that, you know, is great as well. 
because that also allows you to continue or feeds back into mm -hmm. the process. Mm -hmm. um, it also is, um, you know, to say that I don't care if no one likes it, that's not what I'm saying. Right. Um, because you, at, one, at some point in time, you, can, you only have so much space. Um, I think some, some of the, the saddest things are, I know um, artists, uh, some who have been mentors, and underneath a painting could be 10 fabulous paintings. That's right, yeah. You know, and it's like, wow, you know, this is, it's gone. You know, I mean, you can try and uncover it by, you know, paint thinner, getting stuff yeah. off, but it's not, you know, there's 10 fabulous works under there because I think some of the foundation that I have about studio and work is based off of my experience with them. It's like, it's the process. It's learning and understanding what it is that you do. Um, and the satisfaction is you've done it. Yeah. You've seen it, it you know, you might take a picture of it you know, the documented, but you're on to the next thing. Yes. I happen to, you know, take some mentor's advice or see what they do and, you know, personalize it. So, no, I'm not going to do 10 wonderful paintings on top of each other. Right. So, you know, I'll get another canvas or, you know, <laughs> find some other way to express But I think if, you, if it, if it, warranted the project or if in you know 10 years you had a studio full of you know 20 foot paintings maybe right i'd see you giving yourself permission like right. you're not one of those absolutists um you know because process i think you know you were talking about the angst of you know when you're not able to work <laughs> and process i think for most of us also you know and are you are you a daily studio like actually physically in the studio I try, um, but with kids. Sure, like there's life, but, but, I think, <laughs> but you know, you do that over a number of years. I mean, you get, that's, you know, like I remember when I, when I left the, the real world, as I always say, when I, if I was out during the day, I literally felt like I was in high school, like skipping school. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Shouldn't yeah. you be at work kind of feeling, <laughs> yeah. you know? But see, I, I, um, the way that I deal with that, because it can be stressful mm -hmm. to encounter that, but I think about all the things that we don't think about that are actual work. So when you mentioned yeah. TVs, like when I leave here, I gotta go pick up TVs. It might take me a couple of trips. I'm not in the studio, but I have to have it. That's a part of my work, that's working. Sure. That's a, ta that's a, a tax deduction that I can take. That mm -hmm. gas mileage uh -huh. and picking that up. That's right. And while I'm in the process of doing that, I'm also on the way driving, trying to focus on the road. But in my mind, I'm thinking about the video that these that might go on these TVs right. that is in my mind. And I'm like, I got to process how I'm going to show these, how I'm going to edit them, you know, what other um, uh, parts of the video are going to that I need to create, you know, all of that. But I mean, I think. I was eventually going to get to this point of, and you, you mentioned kind of the spiritual aspect, uh, but you know, we're always we're all working all the time. I don't whether you're literally or sanding a yeah, stretcher exactly. or, yeah. but I think there is something to uh, 
that commitment to the hours of, of, of work, and sometimes it is more mundane, but it's good thinking time and like mm-hmm. a way to get your brain off of that, you know, the really pressing, urgent things. And I think that's where the good decisions come from and the good work comes from. Because like, how often can you have those great eureka moments where you either, it's that last, you know, whatever gesture on a painting or the great title you come up with. And it's like, to me, it's like, you're trying to set yourself up to have those opportunities, mm-hmm. but it's that daily or, or whatever, how often, whatever your rhythm is to get into a space physically and mentally to be open. But I think that happens all the time, but to your point, being open. So while we're sitting here talking, and I just made that comment, an idea like came in my head that I had been working on, but it was like, oh, that will look beautiful in one of those TVs I'm talking about right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like being open to hearing. And it's quite honestly, that's a challenge that I'm having right now is, you know, when you have your practice, you have a couple of exhibitions, and you got family, you got basketball practice, and everything mm-hmm. else, and it's like the time to just yeah. be able to meditate or just not hear anything, not even your own voice, is very seldom. Right. Um, and that, to me, is an important time to regenerate. Um, when you work, are it, is there music? Is music a part of it, or, or podcast, TV? Is there sound? Um, or are you a silent kind of... I, I am, for the most part. Occasionally, silent? there is. Yes. Okay. I, I enjoy silence. Um, but occasionally, you know, I think just habit is, oh, turn the radio on. It's actually in the other room. I'm way over here. It's just... Background you know, noise, just yeah. to scaring critters if they want to come in. Don't somebody's in there? Don't come, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like quiet. Um, but I do like in making this. Um, one of my apprentices, uh, Hashim Rainey, was uh, educating me on the more youthful sounds. <laughs> So, um, things that I wouldn't normally listen to, but I feel are important, um, you know, to keep me abreast of, you know, popular culture and things like that. So, yeah, in some of, in some of these works there was sound. But it was a great mix. So it was like I added a little bit, he added some, you know. How fitting, though, to be talking here. Because, yeah. you know, there is this hushed museum slash church-like mm-hmm. atmosphere. You know, mm-hmm. it's, very, it's very peaceful in here mm-hmm. right now. They opened it just for us to have this conversation. Very appreciative of that. Oh, yeah. All access. Brain phones. <laughs> but it, it, does, it, it does enable you to, to absorb the work in a, in, in a way that you simply can't when, when you have No, the, or when you're standing and, you yeah. know, and you're talking to somebody. I mean, again, to sit here and just, I mean, just to be able to stare at these three canvases, and I would love to hear about this piece on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, the title of it is Ceiling. So once again, um, my intent is to give you 
a certain level of information and then what you do with it, uh, that's your interpretation. Uh, but it is glass right on the floor. And how big is that? It is about is that 20 12 feet? feet by 20. So it's a, it's a large expanse, and it is, looks like it could be at its highest, uh, what, maybe four or five inches off the ground? Yes. This is a, comp I mean, a lot, a lot of glass. A lot of glass, yes. Very heavy. <laughs> Took a lot of time to get in. Uh, it's going to take a lot of time to get out, but yeah. And I mean, obviously that reference immediately, I mean, conjures a lot of thoughts in my head and, and of course the juxtaposition of something called ceiling on the, on the floor mm -hmm. um, in opposition. Uh, and I was unfortunately not able to make your talk, but mm -hmm. I saw on social media somewhere what looks like there was a performance. There was a performance. Um, on said ceiling. On said ceiling, yes. Uh, the, the title of the performance was Toiling. Um, and it consisted of me basically tilling the soil and toiling within the context of this glass ceiling or this ceiling that is on the floor that is made of glass. Uh, like we said, you've talked about repurposing is there a story on the specific, um, this, where did you get this glass? Did you break this glass? Is this? So no, it was, it was broken uh, and it was acquired. Um, uh, me working with a, a glass manufacturer. Okay. So uh, once again, you know, the challenge and the idea of a conceptual work of art is okay, how do you get it? Sure. How do you get it here? How do you get it in there? And then how do you dispose of it or remove it? I see a lot of collectors wanting this in their homes, don't you? I mean, it'd be great with kids and pets. Right. Um, Funny, I did have someone come in and they were like, I could just have this in my living room with the couch sitting in front of it and just looking at it all day long. Particularly from this angle, because right. the black light, mm -hmm. you can see from that side. Um, there's also been interest in that night uh, after the performance, because the shape was um, reconfigured from the performance. Um, there were people who wanted to engage in it and walk directly and participate in it. So I was like, to... Uh, did you, did you see that happening? Did you ever envision that? The idea of people walking in it? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, part of it, there's no barriers. There's right. no stanchions, no tape. Um, so the hope was that people would respect the space. Um, not necessarily fear the space. Mm -hmm. But I was prepared and understood that, you know, there are people who go in, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Armut, 
Yeah. Duchamp. Duchamp, yes. And actually use one of the urinals. <laughs> so I figured that somebody might want to walk through it or do, you know, engage in it in some kind of way. Um, not necessarily encouraged. That's, but see, that's what I love about you. Like, you, you know, <clears throat> some people would put that sign. And I love how you're leaving that up to, again, there is that tension. Because nowadays, you know, there are people don't, there's a bench in a gallery yeah. sometimes. People are like, is that art or is, it, or is that a bench? <laughs> Depending where you are. <laughs> like a Dia, I think you better be very careful where you sit. Yeah, you know, right. like, that's a Donald <laughs> Judd. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, people actually, the night of the opening, step. There were some accidents where people were like, oh, what is that? You know, they felt it. But then, I, you know, I saw an older gentleman with a cane, like, <laughs> trying really? to push, you know, like, what is that? <laughs> you know. That, that's a problem, though, with the institution. There's this, there's this fear and intimidation that actually keeps people from even going to look at art. Because... Uh, that's true. One of, and I, one of the... Fabulous archive uh, brain fuzz interview with Justin Rabidou. Yeah. Former museum guard. <laughs> was telling all about the psychology of. Yeah. Uh, would have been a good Halloween costume. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, we know that you have some TVs to pick up. Yeah. So, uh, I just want to say thanks. Hey, uh, thanks this yeah, is this very gracious of you to take this time. Yeah, uh, and, and to and get to enjoy it here in this. Um, yeah, this is in this time and space. So we also thank uh, MOCA GA, Museum of Contemporary Art, Georgia. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. This has been great. Thank you. Connect with Joe and Matthew and find out more about this and other episodes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. On social media, share your thoughts and comments with hashtag brainfuzzpodcast. Now, shouldn't you be at work? <laughs> <laughs>